How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is time to flip the sands of time over and get ready for the Super Bowl, which is on Sunday. And there's no one I'd like to talk to about it more than David Ingber and Brian Westbrook. But we have two other topics that we're going to have to get to first. A big time trade in the NFL. Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff, Rams, Lions, a lot of picks. People wondering about Deshaun Watson and all that goodness. And the Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni, had a press conference. (laughs) I put out a (laughs) 40-second clip of it, and my phone exploded. We're going to get to all that and more, but first, let's go around the horn. Let's talk first with company man David Ingber wearing his BR hat. How are you feeling on the eve of a Tom Brady Super Bowl where you are not involved? Uh, Mostly, it was the Matt Stafford thing that's the kick in the nuts, because I've already said on this podcast that... Uh, Tom Brady going to the Super Bowl feels a lot like when you thought you were over your ex-girlfriend and then you see her wedding photos on Facebook and all of a sudden the emotions flood you. That's now, that that's that. And then the extra kick in the nuts is hearing from Tom Curran that Matt Stafford said he would go anywhere except the New England Patriots. Presumably this is a, a, like a Matt Patricia thing, but man, that is that is like a kick us when we're down. So hold on, what is that? So if Tom Brady is, you, you see this, your your ex on Facebook, is Matt Stafford, you saw on Facebook that a former uh, beau or someone you were interested in is single and you reached out and they were like, nah, I'm good. Like, is that what it's like? <laughs> no, that was uh, getting left on red um, on, on your recent Tinder <laughs> messages that you're doing. In order to get over the wedding photos you just saw, you go onto some like dating app and then you're just getting like dot, dot, dot. Dot, 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 not getting that. That was, that to me was the most uh, exciting part of that story, which we'll dive into in a second. Also, the fact that it was really McVeigh and Stafford kicking it in Cabo Mm. that sealed the deal. Uh, Down in a beautiful study, surrounded by awards, accomplishment, and acclaim, is the greatest running back in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles, Brian Reginald Westbrook. What up, (laughs) B-West? Reginald, what's going on, brother? How are you, man? What is your your middle name? My middle name is is Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S, like Collins Ave in Miami, one of my favorite places to be. Where we were at last Which year. Which is where we were last year. That's yes, right. Nice. That's right. Exactly where we were at last year. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm actually really excited about this game. And I'm one of these guys that misses football. I missed it yesterday. I'm also, you know, there's a hatred that you have towards New England as a town, city, area, a franchise, organization. But I'm one of these guys that I love excellence. I love the fact that Tom Brady is now going to his 10th Super Bowl. I love the fact that he has an opportunity to win his seventh Super Bowl. I like legacy. I like being able to say, you know what? He was great for a long time. I'm not one of these guys that hate on victors, hate on people that win all the time. I'm one of these guys that, listen, if you can do it for 15, 20 years, do it. Go do it. And I'm so, I'm so, because of that, I'm super excited for Tom Brady, his opportunity. And now he's going to be playing against one of the, yes, the young um, up-and-coming guys in the NFL. Westbrook just gave you a sample of what we're going to be doing also in the show, which is predicting the storylines that are going to be beat into the ground mm-hmm. over the next six days. Westbrook gave you a little poo-poo platter of possible topics that could be coming later. Um, I, I think also, just on that topic, this is the Super Bowl that is the best for the, I'm going to say, the economy of sports. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it's going to lead to to more money in Vegas, FanDuel, DraftKings. More money is going to be bet on this game because of this matchup. The interest is going to be high. Uh, 
This is huge for things like the sports card market. These are the two guys that are like the old Tom Brady sold a Tom Brady card sold for five hundred and fifty five thousand dollars last week, wow. and then a Mahomes card just went for six hundred thousand. Wow. wow! So like, it's the two number one guys. So it's great for all that stuff. But first, uh, we have three Eagles fans. And I kind of want to talk about what happened. Uh, I was started getting tweets that Nick Sirianni's press conference was really bad. So I tweeted out, how bad was it? And I started getting tweets. Man, it's really not good. I said, okay. I pulled up the press conference uh, and I watched the whole thing. Because that's what I do. I'm an Eagles fan. And I work. So I watched it. And I could have clipped, I don't know, man eight different clips in which as an Eagles fan, I was upset because the reason I was upset is not who I wanted them to hire, but the guy that I was told, wow, the press conference did not. Wow. He, I posted a 40 second clip in which he, in essence, was trying to say, we want to get these guys to understand our game plan so well that they don't have to think when they're on the field because when you don't have to think, when you really understand the schemes that we're implementing, that's when you can execute. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say that. Ingber, should I play it? I think um, if in case people haven't seen it on Twitter, okay. it, it wouldn't be bad. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to play it. This is the clip I posted. <clears throat> is that we build a smart football team, that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the... <clears throat> people in place to do that the first part of that the first part of being smart is knowing what to do we're gonna we're gonna know we're gonna have systems in place that are easier to learn all right complicated to the defense or offense that they're going against or the special teams group they're going against westbrook's head is hanging because when we can put that because we when we can learn our system and we can get good at our system then our talent can take over here it is here's why thinking equals talent take over less thinking we need to have systems in place and we will have systems in place to do so i as an eagles fan i watched that and i texted it to my friend groups that are eagles fans first that one clip And I said, what just happened? Like, what is this? So I posted it on Twitter. You've got to be kidding me. That's all I wrote. I didn't write, they should have hired Eric Bieniemy. I didn't write, he only got the job because he's white. I didn't write, man, look, this guy could barely speak. I didn't write any of that. I just wrote, you got to be kidding me because in the Eagles fan, I felt led astray. It now has, at the time of this recording on Monday, 22 million impressions 4 million media views, 3 million engagements. Okay? That's how much that spread. NFL players, I I looked yesterday, it was getting retweeted by like Todd Gurley. I got other NFL players saying stuff. I got NFL players DMing me that have been on his staff before, being like, you need to take it easy on my guy. Um, And then I was attacked by the Eagles fan base in a way that I have never been attacked before, told to get the F out, Get the hell out of here. You're a bandwagon fan. You only came in in 2017. I, it was a lot. And <laughs> Westbrook's over here laughing because he's probably experienced this many, many times. But I, I'm sure you saw the tweet. What was your take? And also, what was your take on his press conference as a whole? Well, well, first of all, I've been attacked by Eagles fans relatively recently because of Carson Wentz and his inability, his inability to complete passes to guys that have the same jersey 
that, uh, on that he does and his inability to read defenses. And so they've attacked me recently as well. And, and in reality, all those things that I mentioned about Carson Wentz, they actually were true. They've come, they've come out and now people yes. understand them. But, you know, when I watched the press conference, I saw a young coach, first time head coach that struggles to speak um, confidently under pressure in front of the media. First time doing it. And I, and I, I immediately. There was no media there, by well, the way. That yeah, was a I know, Zoom but call? but this is his first press conference as okay. a head coach, and it's different. And I remember the first time that I went on TV and someone put a camera and a microphone in my face, and I hope it wasn't that bad, but I, I probably felt not as confident as I feel today than I did ten years ago, right? So it's a big difference. His skill set is a football coach, and I'm not trying to sing the Eagles company line, but at the same time, I, I have to be real as far as his public speaking. To me, public speaking does not tell the type of coach that he's going to be. But this is what I did here. As far as game planning, when you're talking about making things simpler for us and hard for the defense, yeah, yeah that's what everybody does. So he, he didn't wow me with the things that he was saying. The, the way that he was saying it to me, I, I, I chalk it up as rookie head coach, inexperienced public speaker. The things that he was saying, I'm like, eh, Every coach in the NFL does those exact same things, and there's some good ones. And Kindergarten some bad. quarterback club, baby. Absolutely. Kindergarten club. That was my thing, which was so many people were tweeting at me upset that they thought I was making fun of the way that he spoke. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're being nervous. Have you ever been in a situation like that? And number one, I think that people are projecting their own fears so that if they're ever in that situation, man, I really hope Nick Sirianni comes to my defense because I was there for him. But anyway, that doesn't even matter. It was the content of his speech that was my issue. There was nothing learned. There was nothing gained. More importantly, it did not fit the narrative that was spoon-fed to us from the GM and the owner. We were told he wowed them that it was obvious. This is the same guy who was on vacation and didn't have a suit. So the owner and the GM dressed down for him. And so now it's in my brain going, we sure are pumping them up and making them easy. And every good business person I talk to says, undersell and over deliver. Do I believe that this press conference will be indicative of the win-loss percentage for the Eagles going forward? Absolutely not. Matt LaFleur's press conference was not great. He went 13-3 and in both seasons. Abraham Lincoln's voice mm -hmm. was not that encouraging. So let's be <laughs> honest. Like, but the thing is, I know I didn't want to go Lincoln. Go okay. but that, to me, that's an extreme. That's an extreme. But at the same point, everything that I was told was proven to be false. Mm -hmm. And so now he better be an amazing coach. He just has to be. Like I reached out to an all pro that I went through his entire coaching career. Started off under Todd Haley in Kansas City, then was there when Romeo Cornell took over. Then he went to the Chargers and he was working with like a Ken Wisenhunt combination with Mike McCoy. Wisenhunt left, in came Reich. And you go, okay, that's where their relationship started. I dove deep and to see what this guy's background was. And I reached out to an all-pro because he also coached wide receivers and quarterbacks. And I asked one of those people. Might as well tell who I it said, is now. Nah, people aren't going to do the research. Um, I, said, I said, is he head coach? He goes, hell yeah. I said, okay. I said, okay. That's really, I just needed one. Sometimes all you need is one. But, but Westbrook, what I'm going to say is I don't need him to win over Philadelphia. 
I'm just saying that those Monday morning radio interviews yeah. with Cataldi are going to be a catastrophe. It'll be rough. And most importantly, he needs to be the guy. His schemes need to be so advanced to prove this. So, so it was a crazy experience. I don't have, I have less confidence in him than I did before the presser, but it's not at zero, but um, it's going to be tough. You know, my, my immediate thought was, what are the players in the locker room? How are they going to feel? And, and you got to look at it in, in a couple of different buckets. If you're a vet and I heard that, I'm saying I, I got to find a way to get out of here. We're, we already knew we were kind of in a rebuild, but now this kind of solidifies it. We won't be good for a next few years in, in my wow. thought. And so now I'm trying to find a different team. I mean, that, that's my first thought as a vet on that team. If I'm a young... Can, can I ask one more question on that? Sure. As a veteran, as a Lane Johnson, Jason Peters, someone that's been there for a long time, do you look at that and go, oh no, this is a young coach that's going to need my help to kind of with the locker room and speak. Is that part of the reason is the responsibility that's going to fall on the older players? Well, not only just the responsibility, but in, in the NFL, really in, in a lot of professions, experience as far as in that position, it matters. Because when you have to make tough decisions, Matt LaFleur, NFC Championship game, do you kick the field goal? Do you go for it on fourth down? You got to make tough decisions in pivotal moments and you have to make the right decision. And again, we don't know who, uh, Nick Sirianni is as a head coach. We haven't seen him yet. But again, first impressions at a, as a veteran, I'm saying, okay, maybe there's another team that I could think about going. I don't feel as strong because that voice didn't come out as, as a leader, as a clear charge leader. I compare him to guys that we know, Bruce Arians, guys that we know, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick. And you're saying, okay, does he match up with those guys? Is he Sean McVay? Is he Matt LaFleur? Mm. Does he have this creative offense that we've never seen before? We, we don't know the answer yet. And if you just look at the press conference, you're saying, I, I don't, I, I'm not as confident. But, yeah. but if I'm a younger guy on the team, I'm saying, or even some of the young guys that they're going to get, I'm saying, you know what? This is a guy I can, I, can, I can grow with. This is a guy that I can get better with, and I'm not as uncomfortable. Here's the other part about the mm -hmm. Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to have to flip that roster. They're going to have to get much younger. They're going to have to bring in some, some much younger guys that can help them win a little bit later on in their career. So maybe you won't have as many vets to question the coach, question and be able to compare. Well, when I was on this mm. team, they had this type of coach and they did it totally different than this guy. A lot of those questions come into how can you compare co opposed to other NFL head coaches and my ability to mm. do that. Um, I, I remember, I'll, I'll give you one last example. I went to San Fran, my first meeting um, with Mike Singletary. I just did, he came, first of all, he came late. The other part was he didn't control the, that team meeting the same way that I had seen Andy Reid do it. And I'm, I'm not saying that this is the type of coach he was all the time, but sometimes those first interactions that, that I had in particular, those are the thoughts that carry with you throughout your time there. And, of course, Mike Singletary got fired towards the end of that season. But you nailed it. Nick Sirianni's opportunity to fix this is the most important one. When that team comes together, sometime during this offseason, mm -hmm. they have that first meeting. Everyone's going to give him the respect of listening up. And if he nails that one, every player is going to leave there going, oh, that press conference was nothing. Mm -hmm. he's, he's got a few months to because to, that's the speech that matters. It's the first speech in front of the roster going, this is who I am. Yeah. And that'll be the big one because that'll be the thing. But it's enough time spent on that. Uh, the big news Saturday night, Matt Stafford, goes to the Rams. The Rams send back Jared Goff and his contract, multiple first-round picks, 
and a third round pick. Uh, it wowed people right away with the sheer amount of it. Then, uh, you know, people came out of the woodwork going, Matt Stafford has been the most underrated quarterback ever. Uh, he is 32 years old. He was battling a bunch of thumb ligaments. He's been battling a lot of minor injuries, but if you look at his games played every year, other than uh, last, not last year, the year before, he's really a 16-game-a-year guy. Mm -hmm. He is, you really can't fault him uh, too much in Detroit because this is the same franchise that wasted Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. This is something we're used to. Um, he, he has had a lot of weapons. The coaching and the GMs have been a turnstile while he's there, whether you want to say that's because of him or the franchise itself. Um, but when you heard the news, Westbrook, do you believe that the fact that the Rams jumped up to the third most likely team to win the Super Bowl, according to Vegas, did you think that was justified? Well, you got to look at what's the reasons why. They have one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best defense in the league. They have a bunch of weapons offensively, these guys that can stress the field. You got a running game. You got a young, innovative head coach. The one thing that was holding them back in many people's mind was Jerry Goff to the point where when he was healthy, especially in the playoffs, they weren't even going to start him unless the other quarterback was, was injured. But that's the question. Is the gap between Goff and Stafford enough in your mind to pick them third most likely to win the Super Bowl? When you have those other components, are they better than Green Bay? I think they're certainly competitive. Absolutely. Yep. Are they just as good as Tampa Bay? Certainly in that conversation. Again, that defense is going to be a big part of that. And I think if Stafford can just be the guy that we all wanted Jared Goff to be, you're in that conversation. They went to the playoffs this year with Jared Goff, and, you know, he was injured and not he was up and down. He wasn't consistent, and they were close. They were close enough. You, you get Stafford in there, you throw more touchdowns, you get that offense clicking a little bit. That defense is probably better because their offense stays on the field a little bit longer. I, I can see 100%. that. I can see that that, uh, you know, the, the graphics and everything else step jumping up to the point where you're saying, you know, they are true Super Bowl contenders at this point. Again, the defense is really, really important when you look at that fact. Right in the middle of Stafford's time in Detroit, they had one of the most depleted offensive lines that ever, and they, they've been drafting that over and over mm -hmm. and over again. He has been in a dome, but he has played multiple games a year in Chicago, in Green Bay, um, but now he's going to L.A., yep. and I feel like, Westbrook, you made a speech to Aaron Rodgers last week saying, look across the sideline at Tom Brady and realize how much better this can be with a good offensive coach and a nice summery climate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Matt Stafford saw your video and said, oh, I would love that. Yeah. Like, I I'd be down for that. Um, I, I think that there is that big of a gap between Stafford and Goff. No doubt. Um, Goff, to me, is a solid backup, low-end low QB1 uh, in this league. Stafford, to me, is a top 15 guy that, as somebody that bet against the Lions a lot last year, man, could he put up points. Even And now, look, I think, I think the world of Kenny Galladay and some of the weapons they have there in Detroit, but the scheme to compare Daryl Bevel formerly of Seahawks fame, to Sean McVay. Yeah. That's, it's not even fair. Big step up. Um, and so, and I, I think also when I look at Arians and Brady and I look at Reed and Mahomes, 
I see two guys that are great at connecting with their quarterback and want to set the quarterback up to then create on top of it with their own independence. Mm -hmm. Reed gives Mahomes the blueprint. His own spiciness takes it to the next level. Arians has to do a little bit more for Brady, but Brady's ability to check at the line unlocks the multiple looks of Arians' offense. Mm -hmm. Now, Sean McVay has a guy in Matt Stafford that can take his offense to the next level. I think what Sean McVay has done for Jared Goff over these last four years, three, four years, is run my blueprint. And I think Goff ran it to the extent of it. it. It reminds me a little bit of when the Chiefs went from Alex Smith to Mahomes. Now Stafford's a little bit longer in the tooth, but suddenly you can really throw it deep now to Tyree Kill. Or in the case of the Rams, a Cooper Cup or a Robert Woods. Um, I, I, I'm very excited for their offense. I do think it makes their defense better. My issue with the Rams is always this. They have not taken a first-round pick since 2016. They will not take one until 2024. Wow. The long-term health of the franchise is really not that great. But more importantly, this is a team that does not have depth ever because they trade so many of their picks for players. Mm-hmm. My issue with the Rams is never in the first eight weeks of the season. It is around playoff time if they get banged up. Am I saying that they're going to get banged up? We don't know about that, but it oftentimes happens. So my issue with the Rams is always depth, but I think Stafford gives them a ceiling that is capable of winning this. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. The ceiling that Stafford gives them, his ability to take their offense to a different level. I mean, just think as a play caller, there were times that Sean McVay had to feel that Jared Goff was holding them back, and I can't give you my whole offense because of that. With Matt Stafford, 100%. I can give you much more of the offense. We can go in so many more different directions uh, because of that. And I think that's going to be huge as far as they go down the ceiling. But, but let me ask you this. The Rams are going to take the biggest dead salary cap hit ever. That's how they felt about Jared Goff. That, that any other any, – any, any NFL team has ever taken 22, almost 23 million bucks. Mm. That's a huge dead money hit. And obviously we talk about the Eagles and the things like that they may be willing to take. But in order for them to be close, when you have the best defense in the league, you got to make moves like this. This is the, the daring. And listen, I, I don't care if we don't have a first round pick for the next 10 years. We have the best defense now. We have to go try to find a way to win right now. I appreciate that as a player. Let's go all, you know, do everything we can to win right now. They just made a, a great move to try to help their football team. I appreciate that as a player. Yeah. And that, you know what? It's, I love that notion. GMs that take the picks are typically it's the fan base that likes them because we're getting all these picks Mm -hmm. and, and, oh, we got two first round picks. Those are going to be two superstars. And we should know at this point that it truly is, you know, a a 30% proposition that it's going to hit. And it's a crapshoot. And it's that's why it's a draft and not, you know, like an assignment. Like if, if we knew, then it would be a lot easier. Um, but going for it honors the veterans. Yep. When you see Aaron Donald crying on the sideline after losing a playoff game, he right now must be so excited to see his team go for the window right now. And I, I think it's it's a cool I think. Fans sometimes get so caught up in draft picks. I'll never forget. Uh, the Titans completely rebuilt their roster because of Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. 
it allowed them to get Derrick Henry and uh, like all, I think Taylor Lewan, Taylor Lewan was before that, but like so many guys, like five guys. On the other side, the Browns did nothing with all the picks that the, that the Eagles sent them for Carson Wentz. I don't know if any of them are still on the roster. And so just because it's work sometimes and, you know, Herschel Walker and the Cowboys, there's a lot of times where it does not work. Um, Westbrook, you are upset. Oh, before we go, Ingber, is there anything else you want to say about those two, to- two topics? I apologize for not including you. <laughs> no, you, you're all good. Um, I did want to mention on the, uh, the Eagles rant that sometimes people, when, when one random thing goes viral and you weren't expecting it, like that was obviously like 10x, 100x of what you'd normally get on a, on a given tweet. Uh, people will then take the swarms of angry retweeters as your people, right? That like you now have your own Bayhive, uh, your own believers, And so whatever- The, the comments sw- under your post, people think that you wrote those right. somehow. Yeah. So you could just put out a tweet that that says something like, I don't know, shrug emoji after a crazy Eagles thing. And then all the things under are like, well, I'm going to believe that you mean this and I'm going to believe that you mean this. And the wilder it goes, the more that the Twitter hive will just say, oh, those are Lefko's people that are saying these things. This must be what Lefko's leading the charge of. So I just want to say that like, when you're the sort of person on Twitter that loves you know, going after someone, uh, just note that take a look at what they specifically wrote, not necessarily what the people underneath wrote. Because if you go to any political post right now, like if you go to see what Bernie Sanders wrote on Twitter, go underneath his post. It's not Bernie Sanders fans that are writing the top comments. It's the people that hate Bernie Sanders that are writing the top comments. Just want to throw that out there for a little positivity on social media. We're not responsible for what other people say in response to what we say. I got a DM on Instagram (laughs) from somebody that said, Adam, I am so disappointed. Yep that you've gone out of your way to embarrass the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He went, he was really stressed out and I responded and I was like, do you know how virality works? Do you think that if I knew my next tweet's going to get seen by 22 million people that I would have put that out? No, I was like, we don't have control over this. And, and to the, to the thing too, is it was incredible to see how many people would just comment something without doing any research. My favorite one that I shared with Ingber and Westbrook was somebody thought that I was on a crusade because Nick Sirianni is white and that he, like that, that was my whole take on it. And he goes, he go, he wrote, um, Adam, uh, man, they need to hire more black coaches in the NFL. People, you should hire a black co-host. Me being like, what? I would never do that. And I'm like, (laughs) my co-host is Brian Westbrook. He is the greatest Philadelphia Eagles running back of all time. And he's not white. He's black. He's still black. Yep. Still is. (laughs) Westbrook clarifying. Ben black. But, you know, I I, (laughs) – that that is funny. Unbelievable. Yeah, you can't control that. You can't control people on Twitter. Oh, no, I'm not upset. I'm I'm more – I look at things like this as data points. Mm -hmm. I go, oh, wow. So when you go viral, that kind of stuff happens. Okay, now I understand why Kevin Durant had burners. Like, I totally get it. Like, it totally makes sense because I go to Twitter to get news. But instead, I went to Twitter this weekend – to be called a shitbag. So it's like one of those things where I'm like, guess what I learned? I learned why people have burners. It makes sense. Eagles fans are strong. They're very opinionated. And if you say anything against the Eagles that they don't necessarily agree with, it's a problem. And, and I found that out. Could this you year. imagine being an Eagles fan, Westbrook, and just trusting 
everything the franchise does. Yeah. That's like the dumbest fan ever. Well, there were, there were two things that I think are important. One, between the time that he was named the coach and the time, between the time that he had the press conference, about a week. What were you doing <laughs> in that week if you weren't preparing for the press conference? Where, and part of that press conference was, well, who's going to be a starting corner, the quarterback? He said, well, right. I haven't even thought about it. It's, excuse me? You, you haven't thought about the most important position on your team? The yeah. biggest question mark, Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts, you haven't thought about that? So that, you, you can consider that a lie. And I think the other part yeah, is – don't be a liar. Yeah, yeah that was, probably just wasn't necessarily true. But I, I think when you look at it, you, you have to believe that he went down there, had a conversation with Jeffrey Lurie and whoever that brain trust was, and he wowed them somehow. And I'm just hoping, hoping that the football team sees that wow factor. And it's not just, you know, something Listen, totally different. They got wowed because Frank Reich said that they should be wowed. That's what it is. This is the equivalent of, I was going to go back to like Ingber's Facebook ex-wife thing, but I just don't <laughs> have a good uh, connection for it. In a two-week span, where a new head coach of the Detroit Lions once said he wants his team to bite off their opponent's kneecaps, and the CEO of Robinhood went on and completely just fell into his own face, the new Eagles coach was the most embarrassing press conference. Mm. And that's just, that's tough to take. That's just tough that to take. Westbrook was very upset at us, Ingber, last year, wasn't he? When we did the storyline Super Bowl thing and he just kept saying, you never told me to do this, remember? He was so upset. You did yell at us a little bit, Brian, because you felt like there was like a homework assignment and the teacher didn't like, didn't email you at home to let you know, you know? And I, I, I feel like we, I should take full responsibility for that. And I do apologize. But this year we tried to fix it. We told him. Did you? Did say right? I texted you yesterday that we're doing storylines today, uh, well, yeah. and you said, cool. "Actually, I texted to make it like, hey, not sure if Westbrook knows, but we're gonna do storylines." Yeah. And then Ingber like was like, "Hell yeah, storyline!" Who's time. checking their Who's checking their text messages on a Sunday? I'm busy. Sunday, like, yeah, hanging out with the family, what? doing. Wait, you texted me more on a Sunday this year than on any <laughs> other day of the week. Well, that That's was hundred percent. That, that was during football season when there was a oh, going game. So I'm, I'm alert. I'm by my phone, so I can hit Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. Yesterday we had a day off. So what was I doing? Doing day off stuff away from the phone. He was watching horse dogs run around his property. (laughs) (laughs) Horse dogs. Okay. Well then how about we do this? Westbrook, again, we are going to go around and we are going to name storylines that are going to get beaten into the ground this week. Okay. And because you're going to have to, because we know you and you're going to be coming up with a list on the fly. Ingber, are you okay giving him the first pick in the storyline draft? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Westbrook, you have the first pick for the storyline that's going to get beaten down into the ground. How is that supposed to be a favor to me that I get the first pick? I will go first, but I'm just... Because there's so many obvious No, no. Westbrook wins the coin flip. He gets to opt if he wants to take it. No, no, no. I'm going to take it. And set the order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is an easy one that will obviously get beaten. It, It has already. It's the young QB, first starting, you know, starting his career four years in versus the old QB, 21 years in. The one that has the been passing of the torch. Yeah, passing. Man. I mean, that, that, that's going to get beaten to the dirt. It really has already been beaten into the dirt. That's an easy first one just to start you guys off. But, and just to make a point, 
because I did get the dog on a text message later on in the evening. I did make a list. So my preparation is always going to be there. I have a whole list right here, by the way. I don't know if you can see that. You probably can't see it. So you didn't, you didn't, you didn't Sirianni it and go, I'm just going to wing it. No, I I do like to wing it, but no, we'll start there. Brady, the goat. I think I might make that a verb. I think I'm going to make that a verb. Man, you really Sirianni that. Sirianni it. Go. All right, cool. Um, okay. I'm going to my best friend. Who goes next? My best friend, yeah. uh, David. So, shocker. This is <laughs> the storyline that's not going to get beaten into the ground by all media, but you know that there's going to be a few media members that are going to feel like they're the only ones who realized that the Chiefs have an on-off switch. Mm. You know those people that are going to get on mm. TV and be like, you know what? I think this Patrick Mahomes offense, it feels like they have an on-off switch. It's like, yeah, we've all been watching Patrick Mahomes win by three points and four points and five points whenever he wants. And then when he gets to playoff time, he puts up a 38 burger like it was nothing. Yes, they have an on-off switch. And I believe they're going to put the on switch for the Super Bowl. Mm. Love it. I love that. That is – I. Football television pregame shows are really the worst content ever. It's just, it's the people that are saying something that 100% of real fans know, yes. but they're saying it as if it's new. Like when someone says to you like, hey man, oh, if you're if you're feeling sick, you should get a lot of rest and uh, drink a lot of water. It's like, yeah, thanks doc. Well, so so glad that we ran into each other. But, but time out, time out. They're not talking to fans like us though, when they're doing these shows. <laughs> they're talking to the fans that aren't in football, aren't watching football content all week long. Well, for the Super Bowl, for sure. Yeah. But if you're watching ESPN two, like you're, you know where that is on the dial. You know, yeah. I just, I don't like the dumbing down of an audience and assuming they don't know what it is. Like shameless plug, NBA on TNT Tuesdays back this week. Check it out. Um, I'm talking with with the top DFS players in the world, asking them which analytics categories they care about the most because I want to change the way we discuss things. Like I have a connected fan duel that I want to tell me after the game how much money switched hands on. Like I want you, it's time that TV grows up and makes good content that isn't former players going, I don't, I'm not going to bet against that guy, which might be my t- storyline. I don't like to bet against that yeah. guy, but my storyline is actually going to be. That's how former players talk. How different of an experience is this going to be during COVID? Mm. I think that is a storyline that is not about the teams, but it's going to be like, here are the protocols at the stadiums and like, what are you going to do about your Super Bowl parties and like all of that stuff? It's like a COVID Super Bowl, I feel like will be the ABC banner uh, for the week or CBS, whoever has the game. All right, cool. I, I, I kind of agree with you there because God forbid one of these players gets COVID oh. on Friday oh. night. Oh, my God. Pulls a Corel Buckhalter. Ooh, no offense. That's my boy. Don't talk about my boy. All right, I got another one. So Brady in the Super Bowl versus the pass rush. How many times would they bring up, what is it, the 07, 08, 09, whatever it was, uh, against the, the Giants and his ability mm-hmm. to get away from a pass rush? Um, uh, and how can Kansas City affect Brady in that way? How can they make him uncomfortable, affect Brady? And the way to stop Tom Brady is to get a pass rush. That will come up a plenty of times this week. Totally. I, wa- I want to add to Westbrook's. This will be a, the part of the story. What I think the real headline of that will be, will be Steve Spagnolo versus Tom yes. Brady. 
because he was the one that quote unquote engineered that pass rush. I feel like he will be the face of the pass rush narrative in this game. Uh, also, I love giving credit to a coach to engineer a pass rush when his defensive line was Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, O.C. Umanura, and then eventually JPP. Because, yeah, it was all coaching on that yeah. one. Ingbert? Uh, this is kind of similar to your COVID uh, one, Lefko. But I think there's just going to be a lot of fawning uh, stories of like, can you believe the NFL got through this whole season? Mm. I mean, what a bunch of heroes. Just what we are having a Super Bowl and look at these guys. No one said it was possible back in July. Look at them. Here we are. Super Bowl, February. Let's do this. There's, there's going to be a lot of those fawning pieces. So it's going to be the narrative. It's going to be the, uh, can you believe the Super Bowl happened on time? Mm-hmm. Like it made the date. Like, like people like, are going to How be- dare you haters that thought it wasn't going to happen? I would actually say that there's going to be a lot of lines that are going to be when the Super Bowl was listed on February 7th back in the summer, not a lot of people thought it would happen on that date, but it did. And then you know it's going mean? like a series Goodell's of happy to not have to turn the calendar. Yeah, yeah. some bullshit. That's a great one. That's Thanks. a great one. Thank you. I can't believe in, the, uh, in this part I was able to get it. Uh, to me, it is going to be about the all-time coaching matchup between Bruce Arians uh, and Andy Reid. And I think the narrative will be is this the most liked head coaching duo and most accomplished mm. maybe that we've ever seen? Um, I think it's, it's going to be some, I think it's going to be just glowing remarks about Reed and, and uh, Arians going back and forth. Also, I'm not entirely sure, but was Arians on the Colts coaching staff the year that Andrew Luck made the comeback against the chiefs and Alex Smith in the playoffs when they were down like 30 or was he? I don't. I don't remember. I'm gonna. I'll research as we go around. But like that was an amazing comeback. Arians also came back uh, on the on uh, the Chiefs earlier this year. So I think it's like the the, the exciting style, but the coaching matchup as a whole. Um, I also have a question for you guys. Do you think this is going to be the most watched Super Bowl of all time? Nobody can go to bars. No. Nope. Nobody can go to restaurants. Nope. Everybody's at home. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how like ratings are tabulated anymore. If it's like with diaries and stuff like that, but I'm just wondering: Will we have more home television sets on? Okay, here? yeah. So there might be more. This might be the most television setted uh, Super Bowl of all time. But I do not believe it will be the most watched because what you just said about no bars and restaurants. There's a lot of casual fans that would have gone to a bar just because ten friends of theirs are going, and they're now they're just home and they're saying like, "Oh, I can catch up on my favorite other TV shows tonight." Instead. But you just said it. You just said it. Now I'm just home. It's been home. It's been home. I don't know if this has happened to you. Have you ever been watching a really good like Netflix show, but then there's like a big sporting event on and you're like, I could literally watch this whenever. I have nothing else to do. You're talking about yourself as a sports fan right now. You're not talking about the people that have zero, literally do not watch a minute of football the entire year, but watch the Super Bowl because they're going to their friend Bill's house and he makes a big spread. You don't think they're just going to turn it on because they got nothing else to do and they they can still be casual and watch at home and make it. They have plenty else to do. There is 8 billion streaming sites that all have content and this is like a four hour window. Well, they've been doing something else for a long time and we've been stuck kind of in our houses for almost a year now so i mean i think people if they don't want to watch the super bowl they can certainly find things to do i think a lot of people tune into the super bowl and i'm thinking about my mother who had two sons in the nfl she can't tell me uh, the difference between a linebacker and a dog on fullback right so i think she tunes into the super bowl 
because every my, my dad's gonna be watching it in the house. She loves the dog on commercials and she doesn't want to feel like she's gonna miss it. She's missed something, whether she doesn't, exactly. whether she knows who's the head coach for the Chiefs or Ingram the dog. Also, on though, it seems like he has friends that don't care about FOMO. Like I feel like Ingber has purposeful FOMO friends that are like, oh, the Super Bowl? Oh, I didn't watch that. And I didn't mean that was like a little bit of an insult, but like I feel like you have friends. Like, you're in the music, it, the music theater. I don't feel like they're a big football fan. This is something that it's, it's very important um, for me to understand this because my wife and I, I've mentioned this before, I feel like we're on two completely different internets, right? That I sign on and I'm like, oh my God, everyone's talking about Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It, it, literally everyone on Facebook is talking about Matt Stafford right now. And Emily's like, who's Matt Stafford? Yep. She's like, everyone's talking about, uh, you know, Fosse Verdon that just came out a few years ago. I don't know. Like, it'll be some some news story that I know nothing about because that's her world. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's important mm-hmm. to remember that there's a lot of different internets and it's easy to be like, oh, everyone checks out the Super Bowl. It's a thing that everyone watches. But yeah. even the most watched Super Bowl is 110 million people or so. That's still just a third of America, assuming those are all American watchers. And they're not all American watchers. Right. A third of America that's watching the Super Bowl at most. My uh, Enum walked by the TV and saw Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff's pictures up and it said trade. And she looked at me and she goes, you got traded to Detroit? Because <laughs> uh, that's my doppel. Uh, Westbrook, it's your turn. Okay. Um, let me think of one. How do you – How will look, okay, here's one. Todd Bowles versus Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid. Well done. Um. Both. Don't say Andy Reid. Don't say Andy Reid. The Todd Bowles, Eric Bieniemy storyline is a great I, I, fucking I, I, pick. I think that's certainly a part of it. I, you add Andy Reid because when there was time to be a head coach, no one respected Eric Bieniemy enough or Todd Bowles enough to give them a head coaching job. So I, I put Andy Reid in there. But I, I, I think that's a great storyline. We're talking about one of the best offensive coordinators in the league, one of the best offenses. We, we understand that. And one of the best defenses, two guys that, you know, Eric Bieniemy did spend time in Philadelphia, a short, short amount of time during the summers working with Andy, worked with us when I was there. Todd Bowles, of course, was there in Philadelphia, too. So both guys spent time in Philadelphia. But, but how was that matchup going to end up? How do you stop and slow down the best offense in the league and with a really good defense that can rush for, that can blitz, that can take advantage? Also, I think to that point, the question is, Todd Bowles, do you blitz or not? Patrick Mahomes versus the Blitz. Big time questions. Ingber. Mine's also, my next one's a coaching one. Um, Why didn't Andy Reid get so much as a single head coaching interview from any other teams this year? (laughs) (laughs) It's a story that really hasn't been, been talked about enough, I feel like. This guy is so successful. He's got a Super Bowl under his belt, and he couldn't get a single other team to give him so much as an interview. Just thought it should be talked about. Uh, you're so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Do you want to do another one or do you just want to land? Oh, most of mine are joke ones. If you're hoping. Okay. That okay. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> okay, good. Um, that was it. Two. To, uh, here's another one. The history of the Tampa Bay Bucks playing at home for the Super Bowl mm. and the phrase sleeping in their own beds. Mm-hmm. That is going to be a phrase. They that love I that, like. yeah. Because, you know, it really, I, I love, I, I hope that there are questions about what kind of beds that they're sleeping in. Uh, because if there is such a benefit to sleeping in your own bed, I would like to know the make and model 
of Tom Brady's bed. Is this uh, a number mattress, a sleep number? Is he on a purple? Uh, is he on a, a cradle? I don't know if that's the one that people order, uh, but the beds that they're sleeping in and the fact that the Tampa Bay Bucks are playing at home. Uh, Westbrook, to go off your your point too about Biennemi and um, Bulls, I think we're also going to have a, a, a storyline on the progressive nature of Reed and Arians and the fact that Arians' entire coaching staff is is filled with with African American coaches yep. and women yep. coaches diversity of and staff. and and Andy Reid's diversity of staff. Um, I and I think it's that's something that I get excited about is for that to be championed on the main stage uh, so that other coaches that are coming in can go wow. You know, sometimes you you need to see it in the Super Bowl sometimes for people to care about it or to think that it's a real thing. Like if it happens in the Super Bowl, people are like, "Oh, it got into the Super Bowl." And so I'm, you know, you hope it leads to more and more action. I would I would hope that people that are in decision making um, positions wouldn't need the Super Bowl. But I I I understand where we're at as a world right now. So yeah, I understand that. Yeah, listen, two weeks of Sean McVay hype led to everyone that ever knew Sean McVay getting a job. So hopefully we get a week of uh, diversity hype on the same Well, the the sad part from a diversity side is that we've known who the best team offensively has been for the last couple of years. We also know who that offensive coordinator was. We also know that quarterbacks, coaches in that same team have gotten head coaching jobs before or in a much shorter stint than Eric B. Enemy. So that's a whole different subject. But I'll, I'll throw one out there. The greatest of all time versus a younger player. We're talking about the, Ooh, I know which one you're talking about the tight one. end position. Damn. Rob Gronkowski, the GOAT. In some people's mind. I mean, you throw Tony G. I mean, there's a lot of other, you know, you can however you want. And Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Two unstoppable. Whose nickname when he first started was Baby Gronk. Yep. People forget because he wore 87 and was big and was white that his first two, three years, he was baby Gronk and he did not like that nickname. Well, I love that. Two unstoppable forces, two in their prime. We're talking about Gronk in his prime and obviously we're seeing now with Travis Kelsey, there was no matchup that you can use against them. Can't be man to man, can't be zone. How do you stop them? I think people, if they're not discussing that, you certainly should be part of uh, that conversation if they're not discussing that. Hmm. Yeah, I think the I think the greatest tight end of all time because they're gonna Travis is on a very good pace mm-hmm. that if you were to look at like their ages, I would see that graphic come up yeah. like where Gronk was in that run. Yeah. Uh, Ingber, we have no idea where Ingber is going to go here. Yeah, while we're talking about um, Travis Kelsey and Gronk, I feel like we'll go this way. If Cameron Brait ends up catching a major touchdown to to win this game, does Harvard become U D T E U undrafted tight end university? <laughs> Now we've got Cameron Brait and Anthony Ferkser just running over the league. Like I think it has to be talked about. UDTEU. How many how many Harvard players are in the league with Ryan Fitzpatrick too? We got Kyle Yuschek. Oh, baller. So think about oh, one. We have we have quarterback, fullback, two tight end sets. So That's what I'm saying. You got running, like a real offense here. We're running a little twelve right now. Uh, okay. who's that, that guy Burke Burks is a, is a center, I think is from Harvard. We got another offensive lineman. <laughs> I'm just saying, these I think guys he retired are three years ago, but, <laughs> but I really like, cause you know, we, we talk about RBU, we talk about WRU, QBU, LBU. I think there should be UDTEU and it's undrafted tight ends that just come out of Harvard every couple of years. What do you think? 
That's a long Westbrook? bunch of words. I know that. <laughs> uh, That's what I want. I want it to be really difficult to say so yes. that it doesn't catch on. I would just rather say undrafted tight end. I mean, at this point, really. But I, I we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I if Cameron Bray catches one, I, you know, it kind of in these games you say, okay, let's take away the guys that we know can hurt you. And Cameron Bray actually is a guy that I think can hurt you, but he's not the number one guy. It would, I wouldn't be surprised if he got left alone on a couple of plays and had some opportunities there and Tom found a way to find him. Wouldn't be surprised about hey. that at all. Actually, you're giving me a pretty good prop bet, which is what we're going to be doing later this week. Ingber and I are going to be doing a prop bet-a-thon, mm-hmm. so make sure you listen to that. Ingber's in like game show creation world, yeah. and I'm kind of feeling it uh, because uh, as many people at Bleach Report will attest, sometimes I feel like I was born to host a game show. Oh, so, I love game shows. They do. And I like being a contestant, too. Um, to what you guys were saying, I think that uh, – hold on. Oh, prop bets. That's what I was saying. I hit a 22-1. to 1, I said this off air to you guys last week on Dawson Knox catching a touchdown against the Chiefs. Uh, I hit a 22-1, to 1 and I hit a 10-1 to 1 to catch it at any time, and I picked him to catch it first. This is something that I'm interested in. And so don't clip this out, Ingber because I do not want to move the market and I don't know if I can move the market, but I think it's that good that I don't want to put it out there. The Kansas city chiefs against tight ends in the red zone are one of the worst teams in the NFL. It's like the one position that they allow open. And so it's not always Gronk, but that's where the Cameron break comes in. That's why I picked Dawson Knox. This is a Warren sharp stat that me and him were talking about where the, the that's attacking the chiefs with tight ends in the red zone is a thing. So let me bet on Cameron Brait first. Like I, we're talking about him. Like, you know, in life when you feel something and if you don't bet on it, you're going to be more upset that you mm-hmm. didn't put any money on it. That's, I think we all need to put money on Cameron Brait to catch any time touchdown. I like you that. You have 15 hours and 47 minutes before this podcast goes live at 4 a.m. on Tuesday. So you okay. have that time to get on your phone before, uh, before the, the world knows about it. I like that idea. My, sto- my storyline that I think will be beaten to the ground this week will be the Eric Fisher effect with Eric Fisher going down and all of the offensive line issues for the chiefs. What's going to happen. People are going to say with Eric Fisher going down and on the other side, you got JPP and Shaq Barrett. That's going to be like the sentence that said a lot where they say Eric Fisher is out and then they list two pass rushers. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you how they're going to rush them. They don't tell you. I just think that the impact of Eric Fisher's absence uh, will be a big-time storyline. Um, I have to imagine that Mahomes' toe feels good with a week off. Um, he only had five rushing yards in the last game. Um, but I, I don't know. He, when, he moved around well, though, team, in that game. But it wasn't like he, he didn't he look did. injured. He, did. he moved around well. That wasn't the issue He did in the game at all. But uh, I think that'll be a big-time storyline. And it also kind of bleeds into the pressure dynamic uh, that Westbrook talked about earlier. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about this. In New England, there was always a, is it Brady? Is it Belichick? And then, you know, Bruce Arians kind of added to it, like, hey, we let Tom just basically coach. And so I think the question may be coaching versus talent. And if Tom Brady had this type of talent in New England, let's say they win the Super Bowl now, he'll be at the seven. Could he have gotten to 10? If he had big time receivers on the mm. outside, could they have gotten to 10? 
and which is kind of crazy to think about. But there was a couple of seasons where he just didn't have a bunch of talent, and they still won a bunch of games. But recently, they haven't had enough talent. If he had this type of talent up there, what would have happened in New England? Obviously, he probably would still be there. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to add that on your to your quarterback passing of the torch thing earlier, where this is more of a prediction for after the game. If Brady wins, I feel like it's it's official he's the GOAT. Yeah. Like I feel like it's he gets officially crowned. He beat the young upstart at 43 years old that. But I feel like if Mahomes wins, does he get crowned a goat with, no. with four less touchdowns? Like four less rules. Like it's almost like people are like he's he now has the 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 step to eventually become if he wins that amount. Okay. First of all, you're you're so wrong that he needs this seven to officially be crowned the goat. He he was crowned right, the no, goat. But I'm, I'm talking about from I'm narratives. I'm yeah, not. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. I, I'm saying like if he had just retired after that Atlanta yeah. Super Bowl and he just didn't keep playing another four or five years, which he didn't have to. He already had five Super Bowls and possibly the greatest quarterback performance in a Super Bowl in history. Then he has he's done. He rides off into the sunset. As what I'm goes. saying though is he if by beating Mahomes in the Super Bowl, he is removing any chance of Mahomes ever passing him as the goat. And that's what I'm saying. I see. No. By beating Mahomes, even if Mahomes goes on to wait six or seven, people are gonna go, but Brady beat you in a Super Bowl. So in a way, it's it's like goat insurance, if that makes sense. You know, I, I really like, think that if even if Mahomes doesn't get to seven, if he gets to four or five you can argue that he's a GOAT. And let's say he doesn't play 21 years. Let's say he only plays 14, 15 years. I think you still can make the argument because at some point, once you get to a certain number, three Super Bowls, four Super Bowls, now it's not just the number. It comes down to what's your eyes say? Do your eyes say that Patrick Mahomes has a stronger arm? Probably. More mm-hmm. athletic? Probably. You know, the ability to move around. All those things that you can see with your eye, your eye test, other than the Super Bowls, I think that comes into the factor, comes into the factor after you win a certain level. If he gets to five and doesn't play 21 years, I still think there are gonna be a lot of people that consider Patrick Mahomes a goat. No doubt about that. It's incredible how many Super Bowls were already baking into this guy's <laughs> That's the right. Like it baked you're in. Right, you're right. Like he's already at five. Just, yeah, just imagine was, the start like of his career, of- though. I mean, it's been amazing. They could have this could have been his third Super Bowl appearance, appearance. But that they didn't have that offset. Was it Chris Jones offsides? If that hold on, if this was his D4, third, D4, D4. Yeah, if and if this was his third, that means that Brady would have one less, yep. so he would be at five. So then it would be like this could be like five or three, but then Mahomes would also have the lead in the in the series. Right now it's two two. Mm-hmm. Mahomes would be up three one. I actually like that it's like this, but Ingber, I feel like you had more. Yeah, I. When people start talking about how Joe Montana is the GOAT because he made it to four Super Bowls and didn't lose a single one and that Brady lost in the Super Bowl, that is so preposterous and I hate that narrative and I need need it to stop because it's the thing that's keeping people from even considering LeBron James as the GOAT in basketball, even if like Michael Jordan, like he won six and he didn't lose any. Congratulations. He had an amazing career. I'm not breaking any ground by saying that Michael Jordan was amazing, but Let's say LeBron James wins just as many. Let's say he ends up with six rings and he made it to another seven finals. Is that not more impressive than making it to six and winning six? I I just, I hate that thing of like, 
Tom Brady made it to all these Super Bowls and he lost some Super Bowls. Therefore, he's not the GOAT. Mahomes has only made it to one Super Bowl and he won that Super Bowl. Therefore, he's the... I hate that narrative. And I think making it to a Super Bowl is crazy impressive and is a, a good thing on a resume, not a, a, a dark mark on a resume. All these are storylines that will be discussed this week too. I mean, the, the, yeah. everything we just said in the last three, four minutes will all be storylines as well this week. I'm, I'm looking up something... Um... Okay, hold on. Uh, how many Wayne, How many Stanley Cup finals was Wayne Gretzky in? Do you know? I know he won four. Yeah, the I, so I actually just had a trivia question about this last night. See, Seriously? I, yeah, yeah. The Islanders won like in 79 and 80 and 81 and 82. They won like four years in a row. And then Gretzky for, got his first one. But he won eight straight MVPs wow. during that run. It's absolutely nuts. <laughs> wow. The, the, the reason I'm asking is – what you the little rant you just went on fills my soul because to me it's been our podcast theme this year great which is to not be hung up on the results but to look at the process and to only champion people that have never not won is a resultist mindset michael jordan went to 6 he won 6 thus far he's the greatest yeah but like it's about putting yourself in the position to win and so technically, LeBron has been to more, and he's been in the opportunity to win. If we're going to say that, we don't always have control over the results. Joe Montana, oh, he's been to four. Yeah, but like Tom Brady's been to 10, you know? like, And, <laughs> and I'm and pretty so, sure Joe Montana tried to get to those Super Bowl during his other eight yes, or 12 years right. in the career. Yes, it's as if losing in the NFC championship game is somehow better. better than losing in the Super Bowl, which is preposterous. And I think that's what I mean is the 90s – really gave us some false like notion of what greatness is. Now, I don't mean false, but like Jordan was unblemished. I feel like Gretzky was unblemished. I feel like Tyson never lost in the 90s. I feel like the 90s, like you just, Joe Montana, like you just didn't see. The Cowboys never lost in a Super Bowl. You know, like it was, it never went bad. Uh, John Elway finished his career with two. Like, I don't know, man. Like there's something about the nineties where it felt everything was behind closed doors. And then, and now like everything's out in the open. I don't know. I just feel like it's very indicative of that, of the media and that era of unblemished. But I just think if, if you were to ask me who had the, the greater apex, Michael Jordan is the answer. But would I rather have Michael Jordan on my team for 12 years or LeBron James on my team for 22 years? The answer is I would rather have LeBron James getting me to the finals every single year and then we roll the, roll the dice from there. I'm saying, I'm realizing as you say this, LeBron is more Brady than, Brady is more LeBron than he is Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Jordan Definitely. really kind of is Joe and Brady really is LeBron in terms of the longevity and all of that stuff. And the only difference is no one has ever assumed that LeBron's coaches are responsible for his wins. No one has <laughs> ever said that like they do about Belichick. So many things have changed. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jordan fan. Shoes, clothes, style, everything. Jordan fan. So many things have changed since the 90s, early 2000s, early, early 2000s to this point. So, I mean... I, I would hope that our athletes were able to play much longer, that they would have a much bigger impact, that guys like LeBron are better because of guys like Magic and Jordan and Brady is better than because of, of uh, you know, Joe Montana. I, I, I would hope that things would work out that way. I appreciate yeah. that. And I think those guys, Brady and LeBron, appreciate the history of the game as well. So I, I think it's pretty cool to watch them appreciate that and, and see it soak in for both of those guys. 
Ingber, who were we up to? Do you remember? I believe it was mine. Ooh. Uh, this is my absolute favorite thing. Which it was Is when... Sorry? No, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, when, uh, <laughs> when, when sports media really attempt to create history that doesn't exist. And so there's going to be a lot of like, let's go through all the classic Bucks chiefs games that don't <laughs> exist. Remember in 1979, when Neil O'Donohue kicked a fourth quarter field goal to win three, nothing as the Doug Williams led Bucks took down the chiefs. There's going to be a lot of that this year. And it's like, just stop. It's, it's okay to just say Mahomes versus Brady have a little bit of, a little bit of history. These two teams, I can't remember a single time these teams have ever played each other regular season or not. That's going to be a nice Nance video package in yeah. the first quarter showing like Len Dawson. Yeah, that's a good one. Ooh, you just made me think of one. Go for it. Oh, we'll save it because that's my turn. Um, well, this was not I'm really a narrative, with, but go ahead. Mine is going to be the, um, are we going to get a Tyreek Hill repeat explosion? Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that he went off for over 200 yards in the first quarter in the first game. Uh, how do they stop Tyree Kill? And then I think what's going to, I think the beginning of the week is going to be how do they stop Tyree Kill? And then you're going to watch the narrative switch to how do they not only focus on Tyree Kill because you also have Travis Kelsey? Like, I feel like the narratives are going to like coach themselves into that where it's going to be a lot of Tyreek and then it's going to turn. I, I, it's just a narrative that I see happening. You know, when, when you talk about things turning, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think at the beginning of the week, where we are now, we're talking about the quarterbacks. And then towards the middle, towards the end of the week, we'll say, you know what? But how do you stop both of these guys? Well, the opposing offense can use their running backs a little bit. So the running backs will will come into play just a little bit. Ronald Jones, Fournette, as well as I, – I like Williams a lot. Darrell Williams out there uh, in Kansas City, I like him a lot. We'll see if the young kid – uh, Edwards, he layered or is going to play or not. But I, I think it will at some point go in a ship. How do you keep the ball out of these quarterbacks' hands? You use your running game a little bit. That'll be a phrase said so much this week. Oh, yeah. Keep the ball out of the quarterbacks' no hands. Doubt about oh, it. my no God. No doubt about it. Definitely. Well, I, I got one that's not – this is not a narrative. It's just – I'm interested to see how it plays off. There's been times I've listened to Tony Romo as a broadcaster, and I, I like him, and then I, I think he just misses on some a lot of the uh, the guesses that he's making as far as the next plays and things like that. But I'm just wondering how accountable will Tony Romo hold these quarterbacks as far mm-hmm. as missing passes, missing throws. He gives them a lot of credit for a lot of things that are going on in the game, but he never says – a lot of these broadcasters, Colin Gross the same way. They never say, oh, Brady – you know, look terrible at the end of the game, especially for Brady. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see how accountable will Romo and Nance hold these quarterbacks in this game. All right. I have, I have two to build off of what Westbrook said. And then we'll go to Ingber. One about the Romo thing is I'm expecting the, this is why you like, but leading up to it, like the CBS gave Tony Romo $17 million for a game like this. Mm-hmm. Like that'll be like the fact that Mahomes and Brady are playing justifies Romo getting $17 million mm-hmm. a year. That's like a Richard Deitch article, Brian Curtis, the ringer. Very excited for that. Um, and then the other one that you said about the running backs, this is one of my narratives too, which is the, di- the disrespected running back revenge bowl. Leonard Fournette, 
cast aside by the Jaguars. Le'Veon Bell, cast aside. Oh, and by the way, there's also going to be LaShawn McCoy against his former team. Like, there's a lot of, like, disrespected, all-time great running back narratives that will be in this game. Yeah, yep. I like it. All right, Ingbert. Uh, this one's for Get me. This is a uh, a sports story that we hear from one side, and I think this year we're finally going to get to hear from the other side. It's, did the Chiefs make a mistake by not trading up to draft Mitchell Trubisky? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely kicking themselves. Think about where they would be with this think team and Trubisky. You never know. And that's the thing. You never know. I mean – what he did in those three games at the end of the year kind of gives you the kind of confidence that like, that's all I'm saying. I'll tell you whose toes not busted Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> um, okay. I got one. You're going to hear this. My favorite prop bet this week is red Gatorade. Both the bucks and the chiefs, yep. they're red Red Gatorade. I feel like that's going to be like the 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 fantasy prop bet. Red Gatorade is going to be. Last year was two red teams as well. We're going to have to look up if that was also Red Gatorade. It was Niners versus Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. So if if, if it was Red Gatorade, then that's a really interesting prop. But if it was like blue or yellow Gatorade on a red team last year, we you know, we'd have to know this. Have we reached a point, and we'll talk about this more on the Prop Bet Show, where things like Gatorade and National Anthem length have been beaten into the ground too much, where they're not fun to talk about anymore? Oh, you think they've, they've come out the other end? I feel like, like people going on the radio shows and going, I've watched every Christina Aguilera National Anthem since 1998, and she always goes about 142. You know, like, I just, I feel like I've heard it so much, and then the Gatorade thing... Uh, I'll say about both of them, there's insider trading about those yes. every freaking year. Every year. Every year. You know, I'm hoping there's just some equipment guys out there getting a nice bag of money left on their doorstep for telling somebody it's glacier freeze instead of Antarctic blast, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Whose turn is it, mine? Yeah. 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 All right. The Andy Reid... Read Pete, right? His ability to repeat. A oh, repeat. Yes. <laughs> I love it. In, I, right? am, I am not used to wordplay from West. Yeah, I I, I, Look I, at the smile on Ingvar's face. So knew, good. I could see the, I knew David the Kansas like City that. Star headline the next day. Yeah. The read Pete. You read Pete, right? So obviously no other team has done this, but it had the last team to do it was the 03 04 uh, the dog on Patriots, the team that we lost to, the Eagles lost to in the Super Bowl. So what type of revenge? They will absolutely talk about this and what it would mean for Andy Reid uh, to be able to do this against the quarterback that he lost to 16 years ago, uh, 17 years ago or so. So I think that they would talk about the Andy Reid, Reid Pete uh, of, of winning the mm. Super Bowl. And if they win again next year, is it a three'd Pete? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would, I would think that you have to get there. Yeah, you have to. Oh my God, a three'd Pete. Three'd oh, Pete. Unprecedented. You have to figure that out. I like that. I like that. I like the way you're thinking there, David. Thank That's you. why you're my best friend. Uh, I always think in punny headlines. Uh, this is a fun one. You know how we always get into the, like, can he win the big one? That's just like a, a question that people ask about anyone before they've won a big game. 
But since clearly both of these guys can, is there going to be some sort of like forcing down into a, a square peg into a round hole about how, well, maybe this guy can't win the big one under this particular circumstance. It's like, no, both of these guys have proven completely that they can win the big one. Can we just like leave that narrative aside or are they going to try to like force it into us somehow? Mm. Oh, they're going to force it into us. That, that's what happens. Yeah. I'm, to, <laughs> I'm, I'm just wondering to, what form it'll take. Yeah, which player do they focus that energy onto? And I feel like if there's going to be any, it's going to be like the Mike Evans kind of person where they're okay. going to focus on like a wide receiver. It's like he had three drops against the Packers. You know, like are we like maybe that? I don't know, but I like that. Are they going to jam it down our throat? I got one. I just came up with it. The troubling case of covering Antonio Brown. Mm. Antonio Brown is in the Super Bowl, and a lot of people are upset that he's in the Super Bowl, and a lot of it makes sense. Um, I Every year, I'm wondering if it's going to be different this year, a major bomb gets dropped on about like the Friday of Super Bowl week. If I remember right, Ray Lewis and Deer Antler Spray came out around the Super Bowl. Uh, Goodell does his press conference. Uh, <laughs> and there's usually like a lot of scandals that come up. Um, I feel like Deflategate happened around Super Bowl, but I'm not sure. Um, that, that, that tone was so that I don't get held to that, but I'm, I don't know if it was. Um, but I, I'm wondering if that happens to like an Antonio Brown thing on a Friday night. But I just think that a moral discussion about Antonio Brown and the way in which if he wins, how do we cheer or not cheer? I feel like that's going to be a piece in the Atlantic that comes out on Thursday. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. You wonder the impact of, I guess, does he still have impending like litigation going on as well? So, yeah, whatever the case is, there will be an Antonio yeah. Brown side of things as well. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about and really been worried about because as our country we're dealing with, still dealing with COVID, is the home field advantage. The 22,000 mm. fans that would be there, right? How do you choose those fans? Is it Kansas City? Is it, is it, is it uh, Tampa Bay? And being at home, we kind of mentioned the sleeping in your own bed type of thing. But I think the fans um, and, and their impact on the game, uh, what, what type of impact would they have as we move forward? Uh, towards this game. I, I think that's going to be pretty interesting because a lot of these guys have not played in front of fans, like bigger fans um, all season long. So does that have any impact on how this game is played? That certainly will be talked about probably when they talk about COVID as well. Ingber. Um, I think there's going to be a couple of Scotty Miller pieces this year about how like he took this from Julian Edelman and he took this from Wes Welker and he took this from Danny Amendola. And now he's like the perfect Tom Brady security blanket. And it's like after that touchdown that we saw uh, in the NFC championship yeah. game, that it's like Scotty Miller has pulled from all these, like the, all these security blankets that Brady's had throughout his career and made like he become exactly the receiver that Brady needs for the Super Bowl. I could see the Scotty Miller conversation advancing, especially since he went on Dan Patrick at the end of last week and said he was faster than Tyree Kill. So I could see a thought piece going, is Scotty Miller as good as Tyree Kill? And the only reason we don't think about it is because he's white. Like I could see that. Uh, I, people got very, were laughing at Aikman for saying that because like the kid runs a four, three and like he 
has a completely different speed than Edelman and Welker. Mm-hmm. Like it's a completely different level of speed, but um, I got a deep cut. Ryan Suckup, kicker of the Bucks, former Chiefs kicker. So you're going to get the, the Nance is going to play. Check out these kicks by Ryan Suckup for the Chiefs back in the day. And now he's on the other sideline and him dapping up the spe- Dave Tolls or whatever his name oh. is. The mm-hmm. Tobe, uh, the special teams coach for the Chiefs. The Ryan Suckup narrative, I think, will be a good one. I like I like that. I like Hold on, Ingber was going to make fun of it. Yeah. No, that that's good because like you know when like uh when like Todd Bowles goes to a new team and then that team plays the Jets and they're like, "Oh, he knows everything about that Jets <laughs> defensive room." It's like, "What do you what does the kicker know that he can now give as intel to his new team, <laughs> you know?" Fucker <laughs> hates when you hiss at him when Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I, I like funny. the kicker angle. I hate talking about kickers, but I think the kicker angle is always important cuz especially when the games are going to be decided by three points or less. You got to have a kicker angle. I think you have to mention the Tampa Bay Bucks linebackers, Levante, David, and Devin White, their speed. Now you got to match in, you're matching up against Travis Kelsey. Who wins that matchup? That's going to be, in my opinion, really, when you think about the game, that's going to tell a lot about how successful that Kansas City offense is going to be. So the matchup between Kelsey versus those two very good and fast linebackers Levante David and Devin White, I think it's going to be a huge talking point throughout the week, probably towards the, the latter stages of the week. But I think yeah. you got to think if, if, if you're that's a Saturday yeah, conversation. Well, tell me, if you're looking at the game, if you're looking at it, just the football game, not the, you know, Brady versus Mahomes type of stuff. You've got to try to figure out how that matchup works, because a big part of their offense is getting Travis Kelsey the ball, his ability to make moves and make uh, be able to play against man versus zone in a lot of those situations. That's where. Uh, a lot of the yards come from when you talk about Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to the tight end. Also, uh, Levante is an anagram for love note. Is it? I don't actually know. Also, is that what an anagram is? An anagram is when you scramble the words around, like how nice. uh, a dormitory is an anagram for dirty room and uh, funeral is an anagram for real fun. Those are two good ones. God. Ingber, I swear you would be the best trivia partner in the history of the world. I'm not that great at trivia. Uh, where where are we going now? I don't, I just have one more. Westbrook, Westbrook is like so confused. I'm like, that's not an anagram for love note at all, actually. <laughs> I know, I, I it wasn't. I just wanted to try. I'm like, what are you talking about? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I just have one more. Uh, just if Brady had stayed in New England this year and Bill Belichick had actually become the coach of the Bucks, how many more Super Bowls could they have made this year? That's the question that really needs to be asked. <laughs> Arians and Belichick? Oh, my God. So many brilliant minds in one room. Oh, shit. Can I ask what your process was for thinking about this? Writing down shit that would make Westbrook – Smile first and let go. Turn his head down at his cup and not want to make eye contact with me. That the, that was mainly my thought process. Yeah. Oh shit. Um, I will go. I did. With... I did include some like real ones though. Like I did have some like. You actual did. Media no, media. I. Okay. I took the, the. I took the assignment seriously. Is the point? No, 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 no. You doing what you did <laughs> is taking the assignment seriously. If you came in and was like talking about Sammy Watkins versus Chris <laughs> right. Godwin, I would have been so upset. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think that there is going to be a 
It's on CBS. Tom Rinaldi's on Fox. There's going to be a big feature piece, maybe with like Clarissa Thompson and a big write-up in like the Post, the Washington Post, Mm. about what Laurent Duvernay Tardif did this year. Good call. And the story of a player giving up a back-to-back Super Bowl ring to serve our country in the battle against COVID. I think that'll be like a front page CBS this morning, like CBS Sunday morning may like, that might be the story they do of the guy giving up another ring rooting for the, I'm going to be rooting for him. It, Oh no. Cause what I'm doing is about a country. It's going to be like that to me is the story of the Super Bowl for non viewers. And if That'll the Chiefs be the Super win. Bowl story that Ingber's wife talks to him about. And if the Chiefs the win, we need to get the, the Chiefs giving ring. him a ring outside oh, his yeah. hospital and like he breaks down in tears and like they all hug him. And like it's that, that is like a magical moment. Lauren, I got you this. I want you to have it. <laughs> <laughs> so wrong. I feel like we covered a lot. Like, I feel like what other storylines are left? I got one more. Yes. (laughs) And I got to end it with my guy, Andy Reid, because I love him so much. But I think the question will be his legacy. And I think this is pretty talked Mm. about. And we kind of talked about it a little bit in a lot of our answers and a lot of our our, our things here. But his legacy, let's say he wins it, you know, almost a sit down day. How much longer do you have to coach? I mean, how much longer do you want to coach? You're 60, whatever, 62, 63. How much longer do you want to do it? Where's your legacy at? What does it mean to be able to coach a guy like Patrick Mahomes? I think that for him, this is an opportunity. And he'll he'll not be up there with uh, Bill Belichick because of the number. But it is a legacy situation for Andy Reid, especially being able to to repeat, um, have the opportunity to win a second one. I think that that will be talked about throughout the week as well. I think you're absolutely right because there's a lot of guys. There's not a lot. There is a number of coaches that have one Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but the list of coaches with two mm. is a whole nother tier. And that tier is Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry, Don Shula, Tom Flores, Bill Parcells, George Seifert, Jimmy Johnson, Mike Shanahan, and Tom Coughlin. Was there a no? Chuck Chuck Knoll won yeah. four. Yeah. Belichick won six. Yeah. yeah. So it's six, four, a gaggle of two, and then the rest are ones. Yeah. And I think Bruce Arians, to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback coach, it really, to me, it like throws him into the Hall of Fame, kind of what happened to Andy Reid last year. And so that'll be a narrative of Andy Reid knowing what, what it was like for Arians to try and get his first Super Bowl win as a head coach. But I think by, you're right. Andy Reid winning two puts him into a different platform yeah. Yeah. Uh, of coaching history. Um, but I, I think that's also something, though, that, that I wanted to say earlier when you were talking about imagine if Mahomes wins four or five. And I was going to say, that means Andy Reid wins four or five. And then all of a sudden, you know, if Andy Reid suddenly has the same amount of wins as Chuck Knoll in yeah, the Super Bowl yeah. and and he actually has a pretty darn good record against Bill Belichick all time. This is the other thing is like Mahomes winning four Super Bowls means Reed, means Kelsey, means Tyreek. Like all of them get four Super Bowls. But for Andy Reed's legacy, it's very interesting that he could go from someone that could never win the big one to 
there's only been two guys to win more big mm-hmm. ones than mm-hmm. him, which is pretty unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say this to the audience that I'm really enjoying the podcast these last few weeks. Uh, Ingber has been fucking killing it uh, and bringing a lot of fresh topics and different delivery systems. Thank Westbrook, you. every time I see him, makes me smile. Uh, and, and he's just super aggressive against me still, which I love. <laughs> Um, and I'm sad that this season is coming to an end. I really am. We got we got at least one more with you, Westbrook, after the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but, man, I've had a fucking blast. Uh, I'm going to be texting you guys during the game. I love you a lot. Uh, for David Ingber. If you're going to use big vocab words, just make sure you're using them correctly. Otherwise, you're just being obsequious. Hmm. That's how you throw somebody off right there. Can we... uh, I don't think I can get this. Westbrook, take a stab at spelling obsequious. No, I'm not. Just a stab. (laughs) No. I'm not. No. You take a stab. You go figure it out. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with OB... Obsequious. S-E-Q. Am I wrong already? You are correct so far. O B S E Q C Q U S, and then I'm gonna go. U I O U S. That's correct. Obsequious. I don't know what it means though. What does it mean? It means like when you're sucking up to someone, like being sycophantic. Oh, like Westbrook is obsequious to Ingber on a weekly basis. My For Brian Westbrook, the Rocket Man. Hey, listen. Um, so check this out. Last year. You know, we're breeding horses at Westbrook Rainers. So check us out on Facebook, Westbrook Rainers. So nice. we're breeding horses. Um, last year, we had a little filly, a, a, a female horse. Um, we named her Cash. Really great horse. Beautiful horse. Nice white face, four white socks. Beautiful horse. And we didn't get her until she was about a month old. We left her at the vet so her mom could get rebred. We left her there. And then she came to us. We picked her up about a month old. This year, we had this beautiful about a week and probably 10 days ago now, we had this beautiful little filly, another another girl horse, and we got her a week later. So now we wow. got this little, 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 little horse, like baby, so she's a week old. And the difference between the first week and the four week is a whole different thing. And so it's been funny to watch the progression as far as, you know, how, how this is how you get these horses used to you. They're not used to humans, they're used to their mother. So you got to be around them, you got to rub them, you got to do nice things, you got to do all these things. And it's a process. And I, I think just in life, and a lot of people have said this before, you know, sometimes myself in particular, I'm so focused on the outcome, I'm so focused on the end game, the getting to the top of the mountain, that I don't appreciate the process along the way. And with this first, the first baby, we were certainly thinking only about the outcome. How do we want this horse to turn out? We want to be able to handle it, do different things. But this one, I think we're appreciating as a family, talking about my wife and my kids, a lot a little bit more about the small things. How are they getting better from day to day? Not week to week, not from month to month, not year to year, but how they are getting a little bit better every single day. And so I spent some time with her this morning. And just today, she didn't run away from me in the stall. Something small. But this is this is just like when I think about my life. We're always focused on the big thing. We got to make sure that we stop and pay attention to the small things and celebrate those small things as well. Man, that was beautiful. I feel like you could be the head coach of the Philadelphia Ooh, Eagles. I would I would do a good press conference. I'll tell you that. 
You'd bring in like the little Philly yep. and they'd be stumbling all over something. <laughs> like, this is where we are. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And we're not going to go, hey, when are you going to be a horse? When are you going to win the Derby? No, we're going to appreciate that tomorrow that left foot's going to go right in front of that right hoof. That's right. That's right. Okay. That was great. I love that. Uh, I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man. Uh, I'm in a sentimental mood because, man, I'm excited. I've, I mentioned it before. NBA on TNT is back tomorrow. Congrats, Tuesday, brother. if you're listening to this tomorrow, it's tonight. Haven't done anything yet. Haven't done anything. You laid the groundwork. You I got to go the out there and fucking kill it. You will. You will. Don't be results oriented. Exactly. We're going to get the process going. Yeah. So I'm super excited that our first night is the Brooklyn Nets, who are the most entertaining team in the NBA, taking on the Clippers. In Vegas, it's the number two and three team to take the finals below, of course, the Lakers. Um, and I get sentimental because I don't think that that gig is possible without the 33%. I just don't think it is. I think that the support that I get whenever something like this happens, uh, the people that listen to this show, the ones that reach out and DM Ingber, the ones that tweet at, at Westbrook and myself, like, I just appreciate you guys because we're all fighting this and we're not doing it ourselves. And so uh, I appreciate Ingber and Westbrook for letting me get reps in these last few months of talking into a camera and making my crazy brain a little bit focused. I appreciate all the production people that are in here right now. Let's see who we got. I can't even see. View, non-video. Nick, Mark, Eddie, Jake, Gabe, uh, Tracy, uh, McKean, uh, Pellegrino for helping me get down here. Uh, but really, I would just thank you guys. Um, and if you are watching on TV and you want to put up pictures of when, if they catch me in like a weird face and you want to put it on social media, I will repost it. Uh, if you just want to post anything, I'm going to repost it. Cause we're just, we're having fun time, but, uh, thank you to you guys so much. I love you two a lot. Um, I'm going to close it out. Holla, holla, holla. Have a great week. We'll be back with prop bets later. See you guys.